Welcome to the Happy With Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Many of us have good lives, the lives we've always wanted, but we still feel frustrated and unhappy with ourselves. You deserve to value, appreciate, and accept you right now, exactly as you are. Whether it's life coaching tools, learning from others, or sharing my experiences, I'm here to help you be happy with yourself. So Craig, welcome to the podcast. Hey, super happy to be here. So Craig, I was wondering if you would introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah, absolutely. So first, I am excited to be a guest on your podcast. Super excited. Um, This is my first podcast where I've been a participant. And I have listened in on many of your podcasts and also followed your growth and journey over the last couple of years that we've known each other. And I am inspired by you and super excited to sit down today and be your guest. So my introduction, beyond my excitement, my name is Craig Gincho. I'm from South Florida. I went to school in Utah, went to college in Utah at BYU, where I met my wife, Emily. And while I was there, I founded a chain of hair salons, Craig's Cuts. I sold those to a franchise company. And then we moved here and we opened the Blue Daisy on Main Street in Verado and the barbershop on Main. And since then, I have opened three other hair salons, opened or purchased. Um, in our Craig's Cuts days, we had eight hair salons. And for the last, I think, going on four years, I've been a full-time real estate agent. And for the last year and a half or so, I've been a full-time real estate broker. I own a brokerage here in our area, small boutique brokerage. And then I have a location along with a partner in Seattle as well. So who I am, I think, is sort of a serial entrepreneur. Um, but I was once told that entrepreneurs do bigger things than I do. And I was told that by one of my professors in college, I was told I'm a small business owner. So I'm a serial small business owner. (laughs) And that is exactly why I wanted to have you on um, is because of that. Uh, Because I consider myself an entrepreneur and it's very small, (laughs) but uh, so I'm very interested in those I see who have been very successful at it. And you're one of those that I would consider very successful at being well, an entrepreneur. You. you know, we all have our individual experiences and things that are unique to us. But then there's also things that all of us feel and all of us go through and that are universal experiences. And I know there's probably some of those that you could tell us about with your journey with being an entrepreneur. Um, one of the ones that comes up for me a lot, and I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs um, have this, and it's something, it's actually a psychological term that's called imposter syndrome. And it's when a person doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. They just feel like if somebody finds out that I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, that I'm an imposter, that I, I really don't know. And I just wondered, have you ever felt like that? No. Um, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> if I had to pick one, it would be no. And I'll 
I'll dive into the yes. So okay. I started um, my chain of hair salons, Craig's Cuts in Utah between my sophomore and junior year of college. And then I started studying entrepreneurship through the business school. And I was told by a couple of professors that, well, uh, the main comment coming from a professor at the business school who was very successful as an entrepreneur was that I was better than my business or businesses. And this specific professor would feel like everyone should be in technology. I should be creating apps. I should be raising money. Um, I should be doing things like that. And I'm not technologically inclined. I am much more inclined to service businesses and what takes place within four walls. And that at the same time, because I am service businesses are very much in line with my value system and my innate skill set, that translates over to real estate too in marketing, in solving problems. I mean, I would say my biggest asset as an entrepreneur or small business owner is solving problems. And for that reason, I like real estate a lot because it's, there's always a new set of problems. Every deal is different yeah. and it's solving problems. But another professor that I looked up to a lot um, who that I know of doesn't have any background in business is the one that told me that I was not an entrepreneur, that I was a small business owner. He said, entrepreneurs innovate. They, they change things, they disrupt things. And at the time, my, our brand was very recognizable. We owned a 10 foot tall by 20 foot long billboard truck that would get driven around campus. Mm -hmm. And we were on one in four buses in Utah County. And if you surveyed people, 98% of people could tell you where at least one of our locations was. So I'm in this class and this professor says, you're not an entrepreneur, you're a small business owner. You, don't, you haven't created anything. And it stung and it did change my outlook a little bit and thinking, okay, I'm not, um, you know, the founder of Facebook or Microsoft or something. I am a small business owner, but I kind of, I kind of took it as a badge of honor. I like being a small business owner and I've always taken pride in that when I've been in one of our stores, I sweep the floors. I greet people. I know better than anyone that I work with and I'm all about, um, providing opportunities and helping people reach goals. So I, I really didn't mind that, but it did change my outlook a little bit. Okay. So his opinion, which now can you see it for just his opinion? Doesn't mean yes, that was but, true. Yes, that was but I his opinion. It, I can see now that it's just his opinion, but at the time I put myself through that lens. Yeah. Of, oh, he's right. I'm not. And at that time, I was pretty young, um, maybe 24, and I, I had seen myself as Superman, like super entrepreneur. Yeah. And so when he said that from then till today, I think that really changed my lens, and I should not have allowed it to because if I feel that way, then it diminishes my opportunity to help someone else who is breaking out on an entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, when, when one has achieved a little bit, it's harder to help someone else up and achieve the same amount if you have a hard time celebrating your own success. Yeah. And maybe some of that, that's where that little self-doubt creeps in a little bit. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. In, in terms of the um, imposter syndrome, the reason the answer would have been no is I, my favorite scripture is I can do all things um, through Christ whom strengtheneth me. And I believe that to the core. I think I can do anything. I think anybody can do anything. Mm. And I, I really like setting goals and outlining how to do it. So for that reason, I would actually say I've, 
I feel um, maybe less successful than I should be, or I've never had a problem feeling like I didn't earn my success or like I'm not, um, or like I don't fit in the role. I, my challenge is feeling like I'm a good steward. I want to be a good steward. I want things to run as well and as high as possible. But at the same time, my largest value system is time with my family. And yeah. so I often feel like I should put in more effort um, or that maybe I'm not a good steward. Okay. So I really like that scripture that you said that could really help anyone who is struggle, struggling with imposter syndrome to, well, I can do all things through Christ if they, if they believe in that and that's their, their set of beliefs. I really like that. That's really helpful. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I've, I've done some things aside from being a small business owner um, as you know, I speak multiple languages. And when I started out, I spoke one and I thought I can do it. And my experience was a little bit different than I thought. I thought that I would just read the Book of Mormon in Spanish and then I would speak Spanish. Well, I read the Book of Mormon in Spanish and I did not speak Spanish. And I grew up, I grew up all around Spanish. I could answer the phone as a kid in Spanish. I could um, say a basic prayer, give basic testimony. I could give directions. I could give change but I was far from fluent and it took me a long time for the fluency. But when it came, then I was like, okay, I got this. Now I can learn Portuguese. And mm-hmm. I did. And I learned it really quick in like weeks, yeah. but after a lot of time and struggle with Spanish and then okay. similar with French, French was my hardest after Spanish, but Portuguese, Italian, and French all came very quickly once I had Spanish. Okay. So getting that foundation in. Yes. Okay. And so when you learn any new skill or anything like that, there's always that period of when you're just really bad at it and it's messy and it's not easy. And so you definitely went through that with the, with the Spanish, but probably also with in the small business uh, side, right? Can you give us any examples or stories or what that looks like? So um, I just first have to agree with you. I think anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. Yeah. If you're going to play the piano, if you're going to play the violin, if you're going to sell real estate, if you're going to market on Facebook, you're going to do really poorly at it first. Yep. And then just weightlifting, you know, you go in and you're totally out of shape or it's doing cardio for the first time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. In terms of my start, Again, I, I thought I would start a lot faster. I thought my success would be bigger. But my first four-wall business was Craig's Cuts, and it was originally branded $7 Cuts. And the thought process behind that was we had a sign out front that was very visible. And if I was going to put something on it, I was going to put what we do. And my intention was to be a disruptor. The average men's haircut price in our area was $14. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I can do it for half that price, I'll be very successful if it's profitable. So I studied the market and I found that on average, hairstylists made $7 an hour and they could do three haircuts an hour. And so at $7, we would, our labor would essentially be one third of the, uh, of of our revenue that we'd bring in three haircuts an hour. And so I thought, oh, well, I'm disrupting. I'm going to have 10 barbers or stylists busy at any given hour. My reality was very different. We were profitable, but my reality initially was that I had enough business for one and then two hairstylists. Um, The first couple of weeks we lost 
about a thousand dollars and the next couple of weeks we made it back we made six dollars profit for the month for our first month and we did that with very limited resources we were kind yeah. of ugly like our, our business was ugly our marketing was ugly and um we cleaned it up though within a few months we opened our second location and within a year we opened our third and after that we went back and rebranded added barriers to entry in that our our stores looked a lot nicer had branding um, yeah. had marketing behind them and so the goal is not to stay ugly forever it's just to yeah. know that that's part of the process and that you're going to improve yeah. and you're going to get yeah better. i didn't wait i didn't wait and it didn't look perfect and it didn't look like it looked it looked as good as it could for what i could afford which was a lease and security deposit painting the inside myself ripping out the old flooring using um, equipment shampoo bowls stations and mirrors that had been there for 30 years it was a hair salon for 30 years they went out of business they were charging 20 dollars for men's haircuts and we came in inherited most of what we needed to operate um, were profitable i think the second month and it was in the summer i'm on a college campus the second month we made a, a little over a thousand dollars i think twelve hundred dollars by the time school started we made over three thousand a month I thought I was going to make over 10 grand a month in profit. And the numbers I'm referring to are profit or loss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, but so by the time school started though, I had two locations each making over 3000 a month, which doubled my salary um, for my full-time job. Went to school nine hours a semester, which was three quarter time and worked full-time. And within three months I had doubled my salary but with two stores, I was still only at 60% of my projections for one okay. store. Yeah. So that's a good example of also, it may not look like what you think it's going to look like, but that doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. That's right. It, yeah. You know, you were still making progress and, was. and you, you still brought in an income. So. My, my third salon took the largest investment, looked the nicest. It was in the nicest area. It was in American Fork, Utah. And... I lost, I, I, I always say that I've always broken even every month um, that I've operated a business. But if we set America, if American Fork Salon was its own business and it was separated from the others, then that wouldn't be true because it actually lost probably a thousand dollars a month for a good little bit. It had the most potential, but it, it had the, the highest potential and the highest risk or the lowest floor. And so, yes, Sometimes, you know, it doesn't look like you expect it to look or sometimes nicer isn't necessarily better. Okay. I like that. All right. So what do you think is the hardest part about being an entrepreneur or a small business owner, if you prefer that term? Yeah, I, I like my answer and my, my answer is my answer today. But when I first heard it, it was told to me by Steve Gibson. Steve is someone that I look up to a lot. I met him at on BYU campus and who was my first investor in Craig's Cuts. And Steve taught me that entrepreneurs, the difference, what limits your success is your tolerance for doing things you don't like. I don't like paperwork. I don't like administrative stuff. I'm not a good uh, administrator. I'm not very task oriented, but to the degree that I discipline myself and I do those things or I oversee someone else doing those things, I'm more successful. And so my answer is just doing things you don't like to do. Hmm. That's the hardest part. It think? is. And, it, and for me, it's also my biggest opportunity. 
If, okay. Instead of feeling bad about that and procrastinating and letting things build up until they burst, if instead I just flip and focus on the things I'm good at, which is more trailblazing and, and getting out and signing leases and forming yeah. relationships that become partnerships, et cetera, and I let someone else take care of the administrative stuff, then I'm much more successful. Okay. But I, I still have to do things I don't like to do. I just have to pay for them and <laughs> manage them instead of being the technician. I like that. And also probably speaks to knowing yourself too and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, what you are really good at, what's worth paying someone else to do, what you still need to do even when you don't want to do it. Exactly. Um, I can't really speak to that enough in the sense that forever I would beat myself up and feel bad for not doing things. And I still should and do beat myself up when I don't do things. But now I just focus on the positives or focus on my um, sort of innate talents yeah. because that's who I am. I really am. I am a procrastinator. I am not an administrator. I'm not a paperwork guy. Yeah. And so I can keep, you know, hitting my head on the wall with that or I can go out and open a new business yeah. or I can get someone <laughs> in that's really good at that and enjoys it and likes being task oriented. Um, but no matter how much, you know, if I try really, really hard, I can be a med better administrator by 20%. Yeah. If I try just a little, I can, you know, multiply my small businesses or multiply my sphere of influence for real estate, which is, is one of my main focuses. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. It's um, true. Yeah. It's very true. No matter how hard I try, I'm just not, um, I'm not good at those things. Yeah. I would have to say those are a lot of my weaknesses too. Although one of mine is like, is marketing which I know is not one of your weaknesses, but um, my, my uh, stance right now is to learn as much as I can about it and be the best as I can. And then maybe I'll, I'll pay someone else <laughs> to do it. Uh, no, but That's an interesting one though, because I do think I'm, I do think I am really good at marketing, but I don't do much at all to market myself um, in terms of my real estate business. And at the same time, I won't hire someone because I know how to do it better than most. Yeah. And, um, but that's, that, that's like when we named our businesses Craig's Cuts, they were initially $7 cuts. And it was suggested to me by Steve, hey, you need to tell your story. It should be called Craig's Cuts. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. I felt really embarrassed. And yeah. like, I was uncomfortable naming it after myself. Um, and we surveyed students on campus. We already had three stores and we surveyed students and like 90 plus percent picked Craig's Cuts over the next huh. three names. The, the top four names I had, Craig's Cuts was my least favorite. Yeah. I don't know if it's the hard C, hard C, but Craig's Cuts was overwhelmingly the pick without any explanation on why. Um, so yeah, I... Um, and that's where I, I, li I do like improving and I am never content and I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that process. Yeah. But I am, it's much more natural for me. If I were to sit down with you and try and help you on your marketing, I would reassure you. I'd help <laughs> you feel good about it. Don't be embarrassed. And, and I could really help you, but I am not in the same position to help myself because of my, I guess, mind block. Yeah. Yeah. And that's with all of us, right? With it's, it's much easier to give advice and tell someone else because yep. 
um, with us, we see both sides of ourselves. And, and so it, that's hard to do. I asked you, what was the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? What is the best part? For me, it's the time. From the beginning, I set out with my goal that I would buy time. And I sometimes feel guilty about that in the sense that it's no secret if you work for me or, or which is not a term I use very often or work with me, um, you're not going to see me very much. I'm, I'm with my kids and my wife almost 24 seven. And that's me. I'm, I'm always with my kids and my family. Now I'm, I'm kind of always working too on taking phone calls, sending emails, but I do that generally from the comfort of my home. I show up when I need to, but I did not start as a small business owner to work 80 hours a week. I grew up in a family where both of my parents would work six twelves, seven twelves, six sixteens, seven sixteens, and often still do. And so I, I was really looking to buy time and I had this innate belief that I could be successful and I could set things up in a, positive way and that that has mostly been true but it you know if you're if you're working you know I tell my people all the time um work three twelves work three tens and off it's fun because often I'm able to sit down and set goals and help people make more in three days a week than they were making before in four or five. Yeah. Kind of make that map plan it out. But at the same time most of the people that work with me are technicians. So their income is related to their production. Yeah. And where my income is not related to my production. Yeah. And so not, not to my technical production, it's relationship yeah. and it's getting things up and putting them on cruise control. Yeah. And so I'll spend a lot of time on a project at the beginning. We're getting ready to open our first um, medical practice here on main street in Verado. I'm very excited about it, but it may be a little bit sad for some of those that are along with me for the journey because I'll, I'll be there and be present at the beginning, but then I'll kind of disappear. And once it has what it needs and I'm no longer a, a benefit to it, I'm going to hopefully go open another one. Yeah. But that, that is a strategy that, that is knowing yourself yeah. and your strengths too. Yeah. Like I'm and good I'm at starting things. I'm good at opening them. them. Yep. But I, I feel sometimes that I feel that I missed um, by staff and by friends and, you know, Hey, why don't you come in? And we'd like to yeah. see you. And, um, and I, I, but when I do come in, I enjoy seeing my friends and, and coworkers as well. But again, generally my time is, is with my family. Yeah. Well, I like that. So another question, how has being an entrepreneur taught you to accept yourself? We've kind of touched on this a little bit. But do you have any more you'd want to add about self-acceptance? I think I'm still figuring it out. And I, have, I go through ups and downs just like everyone else. Generally, I'm, I'm probably the higher end of the spectrum. I, and I say probably being self-deprecating, but I know it's not probably. My confidence is very high. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, at the same time, I'm very hard on myself. And I, I want to see myself do better. And I, um, anyway... So over the last couple of years, I've been doing really well, but I would say specifically over the past six months or so, have kind of been a low point for me where I haven't been feeling so good about myself or my worth. And, um, but I, I know what that means. I just need to serve. I need to, because again, if I'm out there helping someone else and, and telling them their worth, 
and that goes for my kids too, and that goes for my spouse too, then I have to know my worth. If I, mm. you know, if I know someone else has value, then I don't have value too. That's very true. Very true. But it, and it I, just doesn't yeah. end. I'm either going up or I'm going backwards. I don't yeah. stay in any one place for very long. Yeah. I get that with clients who work with me and they're like, you know, I worked with you and I was feeling so good and, and I felt good for a while. And, and now some of the thoughts are coming back and it's, and I'm like, yeah, because you know why? Cause you're still human <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't, I don't cure people, but I help you manage it, you know? And it's the same thing. It's, it's managing I'm, our confidence. And I'm very, very interested in your journey and I've had many opportunities to talk to you about it, but I'm always on the edge of my seat because I, I envision you sort of one way or I see what I saw in you and what you told me you were and who you were. Yeah. And I see this evolution and this like self-confidence and this um, shy girl that's not shy anymore, shy girl that's very outgoing and kicking doors down and just really like getting it done. And, and being very consistent about getting it done. And so I want to, I'm, I, I just want to hear you talk and I want to be around you and I want to see what you're doing um, because I feel that it, it brings me up and it shows me kind of what I can do. Oh, well, thank you. That's kind of my point with the whole podcast and everything, right? Of just like, yeah. um, I don't have dramatic like before and after pictures like people do with yeah. weight loss. I wish I did. I wish I could show people like I've, I've, I've heard some people or seen people like show their thoughts before and their thoughts after. Maybe I'll do that someday. But yeah, I do feel like a very different person. I would be so interested in that, Becky. If it were a book, <laughs> I would read it. If it were a podcast, I would listen. I'd spend hours and hours because it is so interesting and it has, you know, it goes back to my original thought and kind of my, um, my whole mentality. I can do anything. I yeah. really can. You can too. Yeah. And I, I am, but I am thrilled by it. And I think we can do it in the best circumstances. I think we can do it, you know, it locked in a room and it's our mind and it's, it, it's our mind. And I, I also think it's our relationship with our heavenly father or, yeah. or the spiritual side um, of us and being in tune, but I, I really like that challenge. That's, that's the thing I think that most excites me is personal growth and development, whether it's yeah. mine or someone else's. Yeah. I'd have to say that's mine. Mine just looks very different than yours, but that's awesome too, right? That's where I think I feel that I'm, I'm not, that's where I'm not happy on my journey because I want to have more of an impact on more people. I like my impact on my kids. I like my relationship with my wife. I have good friends, but I would like to share my influence more, mentor more, and help more. I'd like to be better at lifting others up, or I'd like to lift more people up. Okay, good. Okay, so um, do you have any advice that you would give to the entrepreneur listening who has this idea but doesn't know if they're ready or is afraid it's going to look messy and bad, or it's just afraid to put themselves out there. Yeah. Um, a big part of it would be just taking the leap and doing it, but I would not say take the leap and do it on a grand scale. The, okay. the, the quickest way to make a small fortune is to start with a big one. 
That's very <laughs> true. And so starting with limited resources is, I believe, is more helpful. Okay. So if you have an ultimate goal to own something comparable to the Blue Daisy, which is, you know, sort of, let's say, an Aveda lifestyle salon, which the Blue Daisy is not, but I own two that are. And yeah. aesthetically, the Blue Daisy would be my favorite. Um, so I wouldn't start with that, though. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot to chew. And so whatever it is, if it's, if you want to have a restaurant, if you want to have an insurance brokerage, if you want to own a real estate brokerage, whatever it is you want to do, I would say do it. Most likely you will succeed. And there's some real tells. If you're looking at franchises, there are statistics that any franchise company needs to disclose to you on the failure rate, which is yeah. also on the other side of the failure rate is the success rate. Yeah. And more often than not, people are successful and they just wish they would have made the jump sooner. Mm -hmm. Once they start their own landscaping company, once they become a real estate agent, once they work in or buy an insurance agency, a window treatment company, um, whatever it is, they, I can tell you it's pretty unanimous. Wow, I should have done this forever ago. But fear is what kept them from doing it before. Yeah. And so I say, don't be afraid, go do it. But if you can do something, anything, it can be totally different and unrelated on a smaller scale but treat it like a big business, form an LLC, open a bank account, track Start a your podcast, right? Start a podcast. Like little things. Yeah. Yes. Look at your, your numbers or whatever, and be very realistic on those goals. If you can get three people to look in or listen in on the podcast, that's a success. Yeah. Because, because everything is, is to scale. If I sell one house in our market on average, that represents $10,000. Yeah. If we cut one person's hair, if it's a men's haircut in the barbershop, it represents between 21 and the Blue Daisy, 85. Well, yeah. you need to cut a lot of hair to get to the same 10 grand, but it's just everything is, there's a different scale to everything that you do. Okay. All right. So the last question I have for you is a question I asked all my guests, which is, what does being happy with yourself look like to you? I think... It's being patient and understanding. And I, I mean that I have to love kind of just be patient with myself. Like, Hey, it's, it's okay. Um, perfection is not the standard, but then because of my set of values in order for me to be happy with myself, I have to be coming in pretty high on the service to others category. Okay. And so if I'm not uplifting or serving and I'm not, I'm not making an impact, then I am not happy with myself. Okay. And so, and again, we can do that in different ways and we have different uh, resources. For me right now, that looks like Strive, our nonprofit that we opened on Main Street in Verado that's focused on athletic training for kids. And that looks like trying to find additional outlets, whether it's speaking opportunities or teaching opportunities to share what I know and what I've learned with others. But it's, it's not even as much, it's not that I want to share what I know and what I've learned. What I want to do is just be a huge cheerleader that says you can do it hmm. and sits down and, and understands what the individual in front of me's goal is. Do they want to jump higher? I can help you with that. Do you want to work on public speaking or self-confidence? Do you want to learn a language? It doesn't have to be something I've done. Maybe you want to go to medical school. Yeah. Let's sit down and research it. What GPA does it take? What test score does it take? Yeah. What state are you at? You're in fifth grade. Well, let's, here's your steps between here and there. You're a senior in high school. You're a junior in college. Well, what are your grades so far? 
what's your likelihood to, to be accepted to medical school? What are we going to do for MCAT? Um, uh, yeah, so that I think that's it for me. If I'm if I am helping and uplifting others, then I am most happy with myself. And if I'm not, then I kind of feel sluggish or uh, just feel like I'm under underperforming. Okay. I really like that answer. That's an excellent answer. So, and this has been a really great interview. Thank you so much for doing this, Craig. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Hey friend, I hope you found a takeaway to help you be happy with yourself this week. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Everyone deserves to be happy with themselves. Share this episode with a friend. Leave a review so others can find the podcast. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.